Hello. Hello? Wait, hello? Oh, there we go. There we go. I was muted. Uh. Yeah, procrastination. It's a butte. Really, really is. So, what are you, you know. procrastinating on? Oh, you know, just a grand deadline. Oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> same old, same old. The huge. Yeah. Oh, Nathan just got home. Oh, hi, Nathan. Well, he just knocked on the window, I think, so that he wouldn't scare me. Right. Coming in the front door as opposed to, like, somebody knocking on the window because nobody <laughs> knocked. Like... <laughs> yeah, I can see how that would work. Yeah. Oh well. Um, oh well. How was the rhubarb? It was good. It was good. Uh, we had a good show on the closing night. I felt better about it than I had about the other rhubarb show. Yeah. So it's nice, nice to know that we can learn and get better. Yeah. And I had some fun nights there. Excellent. Yeah, it was a nice. There's some. Work that was nice to see, some very good performers. And did you have any um, good conversations, like feedbacky conversations? Um, we ha I had not mm -hmm. in-depth ones. For better, uh, a, you know, a little bit with Jessica, my partner, uh -huh. um, and. But no, not, not, I have it, not outside of the bar. Sort of people had a very good time. Right. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, one of the questions is, is about, is the, you know, 75 to 80 minutes straight through more, more better than two acts with an intermission right and maybe one extra segment um, right the, um can people get up and buy drinks well that's the thing at the monarch that happens more but in a theater it happens less in a theater it ha happens less so the rhubarb shows were all sort of 60 minutes through except we were a little long yeah the... can you hear can you hear nathan coming in i can a little yes he says hi. Hi, Nathan. Jacob says hi. Yeah, we're recording. It's okay. Yeah. Our listeners know that we record these in our houses. <laughs> we don't have fancy studios. We don't have um, fancy studios. Yes, that's a that's a question that I'm split between. I think, you know, part at the Monarch, I like I like a drinking break. I like that it extends the night. I'm a little aware of, you know, theaters don't care if you're done early. In fact, they probably prefer it. But bars, it's potentially a waste of an evening. And I want to move it to the weekend. So I just, I have to talk to the monarch and figure out what, you know, how much, how much, what it takes to go to the evening slot, to go to a weekend slot, sorry. 
and then that might change whether people wanted to stay late or not, etc. So I would like it to be on the weekend. I would like it to be at a bar and I would like not to be sort of chased out by something we didn't curate. Right. So one option is that we do the show in 75 minutes straight through and then we take a break and a band that we programmed comes and plays. Mm -hmm. I like people being able to hang out after. That's that's part of the event as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. More socializing. Yeah. Uh, and partially, I just don't. I want to hang out with people. Uh, yeah. I, I do shows entirely so I can hang out with people after. No, it's not entirely true, mostly. Um, I should warn you yeah. or tell you that um, I I plug Nathan into my headphones so he can hear everything okay. you're saying. Whew. Thanks for the warning. I was just about to. Yeah, talk, talk about, about him. I know. Hey, yeah. Internet. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Nathan. Um, and also, it means that we're not monitoring our mic because I gave him my headset. All right, I'll let you. I'll let you know. Whatever that means. If something happens, it, yeah, I'll tell you. Okay, good. Uh, um, how was the launch today, Nathan? You have a new launch. logo, don't you? The have... launch was yesterday. Oh, okay. I sorry. The postmortem was today. How was the postmortem? It's so interesting when you say you're going in a new direction when you're a big institution, when you make a special public meeting just for that, Yeah. to say that, and maybe that's all you have to say that day, Right. but it's uh, imperative that you say it so that uh, no one can ask why they weren't invited to the change. Right. Uh, but if that's all you have to say, that you're making a change, then you're exposed to all the uh, people who say uh, you spent all this money just to make that change. Uh, 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 like all the money on the launch itself? Well, all the money on the launch or all the money on, you know, what, what, what was announced yesterday was a bunch of stuff. But what sticks is the logo. Right. So there's a new logo. Yeah. And then people say, well, the logo costs this much. That's an outrage. And the same thing happened to the CBC. And, and the NAC studied what happened to the CBC when they launched their their new uh, French uh, French language tagline and, right. uh, and identity. And how do we pack enough things into an announcement or how do we... Uh, craft an announcement that avoids the pitfalls the CBC fell into uh, because you know with any um, right thinking company uh, a change in identity is only part of a larger change yeah. but it signals the change but uh, there have been a few recent experiences where that was the only part of the change that um, Twitter tracked and then they track the dollar sign that's attached to all the changes and they assign it to that one change and then they complain about the right. look of it and they complain about the cost of it. Because that's that's what Twitter does best is in-depth reporting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like really meditative, 
um, incisive, incisive, uh, thoughtful, you know, long developed uh, expressions. Yeah. And it's, I, I appreciate its wait and see attitude. <laughs> like it really has a like, let's, let's see how yeah. this what are the turns think? out yeah, it's, after, it's after definitely, a isn't the, few it's, years. It's not about now. No, it's like, it, Twitter you know, is about it's like five years from now. It's comments sections yeah. without the article. <laughs> it's exactly what it that's is. That's Twitter. Yeah. And that's what happened to the NAC yesterday. And it was totally predictable. And it, right. So lots of. Lots of the only one that I saw, and I mean this, this is, this is let from it our let journalists. Um, is 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 shark, shark fin, fin and the one the one that you know um, the, the NAC orchestra. The shorthand for that is NACO. I heard shark right. NACO, shark NACO. Is that shark NATO was a thing? And uh, uh, oh oh, that doesn't work. That's somebody um, stretching. Well, I don't. You like not on not on you on the on them. shark thing. Um, yeah, yeah, they're they 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 were they're trolling. For, you know, so to speak, for sharks within the institution, trolling. the designs and the 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 uh, what's the word the foundation the foundations of the the marketing blurbs that, that that came out yesterday those were heavily debated heavily committed things but twitter which which helps everything also which which always helps. oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah it helped make the best designs and the best uh lines but twitter uh managed to go several into several new directions so Lots of the porcelain. Right. Things, oh, things, no, the shark you thing. You know, we came up with the shark thing. So those were the. Right. Uh, those were all covered in the postmortems today. But, um, you know, um, uh, on, onwards. Well, it, it kind of um, segues into something that I wanted to talk about today on the SWS podcast. And maybe Nathan is willing to talk about this with us, but maybe not. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Last week we left off on this idea of like critical discourse and how do we talk about things, um, institutions, choices, works of art at, inside of our community in a constructive way. And so I started kind of Googling around for like, how do you give constructive criticism and and um, uh, processes for critical response? And um, you guys did some stuff. At, didn't you guys have a workshop? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry to hijack or to um, no, surprise. Do it. I'm surprising do it. Nathan with this question. Yeah, the edit, the etiquette. Oh, right. Oh, so, so me yeah, encouraging yeah, you isn't it. isn't what you were looking for there. Yeah, yeah, get him, get him. The etiquette of uh, responding to a work in progress. That's what you guys worked on. Huh. And exactly. Was that the yeah, Liz we Lerman had uh, one of Liz Lerman's uh, lieutenants, uh, John John Borstel, come up from Washington and school uh, our whole company on the etiquette of, of feedback as it relates right. to theater direction mm-hmm. uh and and we um 
built a module of a workshop and rehearsal uh, process that is uh, the critical response process mm -hmm. wherein there are three or four um, well um, uh, established uh, steps to soliciting and offering feedback mm -hmm. to uh, a work that isn't completed. Right. Jillian thought that was this was really use would be really useful for directors coming in uh, uh, to to get them to recognize some of the unforced errors that that that, that they were committing, getting work uh, to to opening night. Um, right. In the way that we do it in Canada, which is too quickly. Did you just make quickly. a baseball re reference? Uh, that's a tennis reference. Oh, pardon me. Unforced error, Unforced yeah. Unforced error. Uh, yeah. Sorry, pardon me. Pardon. Baseball doesn't distinguish, right? Uh, you're either you're either. It's either an error or not an error, error in baseball, or you are you are not. <laughs> <laughs> There's yeah. no. It's a hit if it isn't an error. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, it wasn't a forced. A forced error is a hit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we tried that out, and uh, we brought people in from cleaning staff to the cooks to the producers, and uh, all came together and learned this process together, and watched a rehearsal and gave feedback to the director through that framework, and and it's all very polite and uh, sensitive and presumably constructive. Can you can you recall? process oh well it starts like um the the art the creator um gives a few comments about their intentions yeah and then creator asks or the creator uh asks some specific questions of the of the viewer uh, -huh. uh as in uh you know did this come across clearly mm-hmm or what did you think of this? And this could be theater or it could be um, baking cakes. You know, right. what, what did you think about the quality of the cherries that I put in the cake? Uh, what did you think about the uh, tone of voice of uh, this character mm -hmm. in delivering this information? It could be anything. And then, and then it swings over to the viewer to start to ask questions mm -hmm. of the creator the creator can choose to answer them or not. Mm -hmm. Then the viewer has a chance to uh, offer that they have an opinion on a certain aspect or quality of the work mm -hmm. and asks the creator if they want to hear that mm -hmm. opinion. Mm -hmm. And this process gives the creator a chance to say no. Right. I don't want to hear that mm -hmm. either because they're working something out or it's too sensitive or it's finished and they don't want to open up a conversation about that mm -hmm. uh, choice or they say yes and they hear the feedback and then they get to do with it what they want. Um, but yeah, so it just puts, puts a kind of um, etiquette around that thing we all uh, struggle with, which is encountering the artist after you um, view their work. Yeah. So not not knowing whether or not they want to hear what you think. I wonder if there's a way of expanding that process out to um, 
and apply it to the way like a company is run or the way the way resources are used inside of our community like i wonder if there's a way of um using it to address dissatisfaction like i remember when i worked with um peter hinton for the short amount of time that he was at playwrights theater center in vancouver one of the things i remember about the way he would facilitate uh play reading was that they gave the the readers who were also kind of the audience an opportunity to ask the playwright a question and he would always specify like the that the question could come from something that you don't understand or it could come from a dissatisfaction that you're feeling in the piece so i wonder if there's a way that we can start asking each other within our community the hard questions because jacob and i have been talking about like how do you complain without complaining like how do you complain in a constructive way if i'm or yeah express dissatisfaction express dissatisfaction with a an with, aspect of the ecosystem yeah either okay. either uh sort of the way a specific company is run or when when we're talking to funders or at like i was at the tapa the toronto alliance for the performing arts indie caucus last night in those sort of settings uh you know i find myself either sort of being silent overly polite or worrying that i'm the angry asshole at the table <laughs> oh, like i'm the yeah. angry dude being like i'm just you know at this point i'm just telling indie producers that they're if they're being treated like renters then they're the client and they have a right to demand things I'm being overly aggressive mm -hmm. in some ways, in a way that may not be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, although it, sometimes I, I feel like, oh, this has just been bottled up so much through through our politeness and through our, our concerns mm -hmm. that that the that will offend somebody or that there's no there's no way to do that helpfully that isn't isn't sort of we, we all should get along or burn baby burn like that, that there's some what's in between those things that still allows anybody to say the status quo is not acceptable and well i guess or to ask yeah so even there i want to back away because mm -hmm. i feel nervous about it. But except that I think that's true. I think the status quo and lots of things in our world is not acceptable. Yeah. The um, first thing I, that comes to mind is like picking your battles, right? Yeah. Because we talk about changing the public face of a large institution and how slowly that takes, like changing the way a community works that has evolved organically over time. Like that's going to be slower in my mind. Because there's a, I was thinking about this today, like there must be people for whom it works, whatever the thing is that you're dissatisfied with. There must be people for whom that thing works. Sure. I, like, so I'm, I'm repressing all the snarky comments of like, yes, they're all over 50. <laughs> like the people for whom the, yeah. And, so, and that may not be true. I'm sure it's not true. Uh, but that's the, that's again the, the thing, 
even in listening to these podcasts, I can hear myself when I'm like, when I'm very quiet, I feel like I'm, or, or staggering around words. It's like, oh, I'm trying not to. Of course, the status quo works for people. That's why it's the status quo. Uh, the question is, is it okay? Does the status quo work for anyone in the theater? It just makes me think of um, my friend Kamir Chai telling me about being a, an equity rep for the negotiations for small theater. He wanted to, he volunteered to be on the negotiating team for small theater, like to represent the small indie companies. And he just said, whenever he brought forward something that the small companies needed, then the big companies would say like, oh yeah, we need that too. And so, like everybody, nobody's happy with the way things are. It would seem to me. No, no. but it but change is terrifying, right? Change is is, you know, Twitter is the least of our worries, or maybe not the least anymore. But um, is yeah, change. I mean, I think you know the. I've been around tables where people say like, okay, let's have one year where it's zero-based funding. Like, let's put all the money back on the table and we all get to apply again. And of course that's terrifying. Like, there's nothing in that that means that people don't lose their jobs. So that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't, you know, as I said last week, I don't like, as, as much as, I'm, as I do think that there are probably too many theater companies at at all but also that the that there needs to be a pretty significant redistribution i get that that's jobs and i don't like that part of it i don't want people to not be able to pay their mortgage i i, I really understand how that feels and it's not fun but if if maintaining all of that is actually the priority then then we're we're in a state of paralysis. And so that's, you know, that's, yeah, I don't know what that is, but that's what I'm, you know, having been at, you know, that's, that's the change where people, people don't, nobody's happy, but there are people that have a job that they can rely on being there in three years. Mm -hmm. And that's not, you know, and that's a, we should all be so lucky um, so, as to have, yeah. have work. So it's the equation of uh, how, how quickly can you move uh, an art form, an industry forward without um, ruining lives? Like do the things we wish could take months or s s a couple of cycles really need to take generations mm -hmm. in order to uh, respect li livelihoods? Mm -hmm. I've I have never. Thought of that before that, that the things that agitate me so much about the pace of pro progress in our 
industry that that, that that's actually a wor worthwhile sacrifice to slow that down except that it means that it threatens the i feel like my general like for me that means that i don't i don't have a livelihood yep yep right like it 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 given scarce resources and this is the problem that there mm -hmm. are, are so many theater companies applying etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm -hmm. um and the money hasn't grown and and because of the way that operating is constructed in terms of funding that there's no there's no way to get off and it's so so few theater companies close mm -hmm. and and so there's there's not much movement in that. And so the, the best way is just to come in and, and work as, you know, as an associate AD and, and work your way up and be willing to move as you guys well know, like be willing to move and make those changes in order to move to the organization rather than have to be growing something that is sustainable mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and, and i don't you know and i don't and i don't know the answer and i think it's it's different in in different parts of the country but it's it you know and again and and it's, and it's all conflated in this i don't think that it's the canada council's job or arts funders job to be a job for life once you're on once you're on funding i don't you know i don't if, if artistic excellence is the main thing that's supposed to be the main thing, then let it be the main thing. If, and that's again where, where my desire for a guaranteed minimum income comes in, where that, that question of livelihood is, feels very unfair to put onto an arts council. Oh, you know, I just have like I just sit here and I'm listening and and it just feel I just get so filled with a sense of heaviness and uh, pessimism as soon as we start talking about this and it's it's really uh, hard to overcome that and and apply any kind of uh, positivism positivism or creativity to the problem because it feels so entrenched so i i this sorry well i just wanted to go, step back to the idea of the pace of change and um i was involved with a group in vancouver that we called ourselves the future of theater in vancouver group <laughs> because we didn't couldn't think of a better name but basically it was a group of of artists and administrators and management and arts folk who were trying to be forward thinking and and uh, proactive about what place we saw for theater in Vancouver not in five years or ten years but in 20 years and 50 years and what could we do at this point in time to start pushing our industry and our community forward and growing it in a way that is um, that maybe is you know we acknowledge that it's not sustainable now, but we could 
lay the groundwork for it to be sustainable later. And one of the concepts that I was introduced to in that inside that group was the idea of cathedral thinking, that to build a cathedral back in the days when they built cathedrals by hand, it would take decades and and two or three uh, foremen or, or heads of the project would like it would go through people's lifetimes. This one cathedral would take that much time. And there's an anecdote about um, these trusses inside of one cathedral that are made out of a particular oak. I don't know. I don't know what kind of wood. Oak. Let's say it was oak. And that there came a time the cathedral was 100 years old and they the trusses were starting to rot and fail. And so they went to this area nearby where there's all these oak trees and they said we need to cut down your trees in order to create the trusses and the person who owned the land said yes I've been waiting for you we've been growing these trees when they built the cathedral they planted the trees knowing that in 50 years 100 years they would need to replace them right whether or not that anecdote is true I find it uh like that's the kind of thinking that I'm interested in because, yes, yes, I agree. It would be great if everybody could make their living, their livelihood, doing what they love. Doesn't seem like we're going to solve that within our the time frame of our careers. Like that's what, what are we talking, how old are we? Like that's 30, in the next 30 years? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's possible, but. I'm not, I don't feel 100% confident, but I think that we can address the larger question, which is how do we Im- embed, how do we embed theater, arts practice, cultural life into the everyday lives of people? How do we create value in, so that you know, 30 years from now, everybody is interested in going to plays and art galleries and music and that and that they don't even think of it as plays and art galleries and music they just think about it as going out Mm. and meeting each other and expanding the world through these social gatherings Mm. that are all crafted by people who specialize in crafting Mm. amazing experiences that involve music and laughter and Everything after at the Copa. I was thinking about that today. I got asked to go to Vancouver and give a keynote speech in the Vancouver Theatre Alliance uh, conference that's coming up later this spring. And the whole thing is it's actually about wrap, wrapping up that thing that you were a part of, which was the vision for Vancouver Theatre. And... Uh, and I got invited to do this thing, and I went to their website today to see what it was called. I was being invited to deliver. It's called Ignite the City or Ignite Mission Liftoff or something. And I guess it's not too soon after the fires downtown to say. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I gotta gotta reignite it all. It's been too long. It's been too long. Three years. So, so thinking, and and then the challenge is like. Provoke, provoke the audience, and I think a big provocation there is is what you just said. It's just to eh, maybe that city is is in a good place to def, 
redefine the theater in in the now. Uh, uh, what I see going on in Vancouver are phenomenal gatherings, uh, meetings that have art, that have an art to it, or that have a, a curation of the meeting to it. Uh, whether it's the white night uh, silent dinners that thousands of people attend, they show up all in white, it's a picnic, it's silent. Every uh, people of every cultural background attend these things. It's a phenomenon, and uh, it, I think that it's very much the a theatrical thing that the audience is co-creating. Zombie walks, roller derby, things like this. The critical mass ride. The, uh, yeah, and all. So the the question around participation, which is you know, around everywhere in the theater world, and there's tons of interest and resistance, which is the thing of like, what will it look like in 20 years? And the question is whether it will look anything like the sort of Massey Commission model, which is what we grew up in. The thing, the thing is that, I mean, you take a business class, which I had to take, and the first thing they're going to tell you about getting your board engaged because that's what business classes are like for not-for-profit people. How do you get your board engaged? They talk about buy-in. How do you, and you know, that you people buy into your mandate and mission, to the vision that you have behind your company. The same is true for the audience. The audience is going to buy in because they feel personally engaged by what you're doing. Um, they get excited about it. They want to participate. They want to be there. Some people like to be there and sit and watch other people have fun. A lot of people like to have fun, right? Yeah. Like people go to parties, people go to bars, people go dancing because they... I don't know. I heard partying was dead. <laughs> why, why is partying dead to you? Why is partying dead? It's, it's a new call-in show for Ontario Today. <laughs> so people like... People want to do the thing themselves. That's my, that's my uh, very. And people who want it, and people who do the thing, mm-hmm. also like to watch the best do it. Of course. But it's like right. So the yeah. part of the thing about sports is that like I played football, not very well and not for very long, but. Part of my love of it is is that level of understanding. Mm-hmm. Exactly. About it. It's a and... gateway. Like your participation in football became yeah. a gateway to your enjoyment of the sport for years to come, right? Mm-hmm. And so participation in cultural events is a gate is the gateway drug into witnessing other events and, and going and seeking out things that are outside of your comfort zone. That to me, that to me is why why make things where the audience participates mm-hmm. because it's going to engage people who maybe wouldn't, who don't want to sit in a dark room, who people who have been made to sit in dark rooms to watch um, academic plays from English lit reading courses, 
and have been bored or slept through them, then they're like, oh, that's what a play is like? I'm mm. not interested in that. But then to take them to see, I remember seeing One Yellow Rabbit and going, what? You can do that? Or going right. to see the British Installation Week at the Colch in, in Vancouver and going, ooh, wait a minute, you can do that. But, and part of it is also that, that the companies the sort of diversity of practice companies, of which I would I would include myself, and I think New World's in there, certainly. Uh, it's important, one of the things of this sort of whatever experimental yada, 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 has been not doing that work. You know, relational aesthetics, a little bit about that, mm -hmm. but still in, a, in an art gallery in, in that sense, the, you know, so, you know, I'm doing things like applying for grants to be resident at a library and to try to do the fun palace with people who come to the library and just make versions of the show with them. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I don't have a background in community arts, but at some levels, if the people who don't have, if the only people doing community arts are the people with backgrounds in community arts, then what people gain an appetite for are community arts and not diversity practice work you know and community community arts might fit into that and I, I have huge respect for the people doing that work but either there seems to be you know the 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 large companies who have the capacity to do educational outreach or people who whose primary focus is on process and and the community aspect but I want there to be more back and forth. Like, and I want there to be back and forth of people who, you know, spend half their day talking crazy performance theory and trying to figure out the nature of the thing we do and then go and work with people who don't care about that, but, but down the line could, could come to the show, could, have an experience that's meaningful. Totally. Just do it. You should do it. But what you've <laughs> described is an ecosystem where you have both the person constructing the truss and the person growing the tree is the same person <laughs> here in Ottawa. There are lots of people who are out there uh, growing the the audience or the co-creator mm -hmm. in addition to creating content to entertain them mm -hmm. uh, they're just stretched because those are too hard too, hard jobs too hard to do them both right. um, but but the but their sustainability personified right for the industry mm-hmm yeah, and the and the necessity of that work mm -hmm. is is super clear to me. Uh, it I also think that you know, and that's where the question of but you know, but is that for everybody? I mean, on some levels, just on a personality, you know, I can joke about we all you know whatever our particular set of personality disorders are, some people are going to be more suited for that work. It's like teaching, right? The 
I have friends who probably could have careers teaching. They just really don't like it. And somewhat philosophically, they don't like they don't agree with the state of the pedagogical system. Mm -hmm. And so as much as it's an obvious thing to say, well, why don't you just get a job teaching? You've got so much to pass on and your inquiry is very deep. But they're totally unhappy in that system because they they disagree with it. And and so in all of these things, as much as as I'm as I understand myself to be someone who sort of runs back and forth between these worlds. I think that has a place I hope to find someday, but it I also recognize that there are people who don't want to run back and forth and there are people who don't want to be entirely in that in that ecology and ideally to me they are one of the main clients of the arts councils because they feed they feed me who runs back and forth and and the ecology as a whole but they're economically unviable so so just to be clear um <laughs> in the interest yeah. of clarity so there are people or who work for institutions so the people don't want to be freelancers so they work for an institution. The institution is has a, a long-standing relationship with the funder. Maybe is not a doesn't have a strong or viable business plan, but um, on the other hand, they do give you jobs every now and again. Is this what is this what you're talking about? No, I think I'm talking about like to talk about it in science term. Like I'm talking about people who are doing pure research. And then there are people who go between the pure research and commercial viability uh -huh. and bounce back and forth and can translate mm -hmm. between those two things. And those are important people. And then there are people who are really good at commercializing or monetizing that translated thing into things for the world that have, have viable business plans. And and part of what govern what the society says is we get that the peer research is important, mm -hmm. so we will fund it even though somebody might be sitting around thinking about physics for ten years with no apparent breakthrough, right? Mm -hmm. There's no breakthrough. They're just really working on a problem, mm -hmm. but when they get a breakthrough, it's going to change everything. Mm -hmm. And they may not even get it, but if we hadn't given them the chance, we wouldn't have had the chance. And, and if there's a hundred of those people, then maybe, you know, whatever we have. Yeah. It's a bunch of monkeys in a room typing you know, Hamlet. So sure. Except that they've all, but they're, they're all really humans. smart monkeys. Yeah. But so that's something that's happening or not happening. I'm just not I don't really think that's following happening. you. Okay. Called, Sorry. I don't think that's ideal. That's your ideal. This is your ideal is that there is there's a, a place. Wing, there's a place. There's a wing of the art palace for people to dream and to research and they still get fed on silver platters and they still get nice, comfortable beds and their families are still comfortable and taken care of. They, they can be steel. There's okay, not, steel. Yeah, they're not silver, but they don't rust. <laughs> I didn't mean silver. 
I was like, yeah. in a, like negative way. I was just thinking of the palace, but so, but right. basically that there these people are taken care of, as and 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 valued as researchers as the forefront of experimentation and the people who are helping push our way forward, and they're not valued any more or any less than people who live in another wing of the art palace who are creating um, pieces of theater or art or whatever that thousands of people scream and faint for those are the people who built the palace yeah Yeah, but it's like to each according to their need from each according to their ability so the people who can bring in all the money the money goes into a big pot and it gets shared even with the people who are just thinking in a room that is ideal. Yeah. Is that the ideal? Yeah, and and so sure. So 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 yes, I'm an old-fashioned communist. Um, <laughs> I'm an idealist communist, um, which is also interestingly how the NFL works. But that's a whole different thought. Um, and it works. NFL teams have immense parity, and the New York team has as much money as the Green Bay team because they all share their resources. Anyways. Uh, yeah, no, and I get that it's it's an idealistic system, but if if that's what when we're constructing I mean so was so was the the Massey Commission, right? The Massey Commission was said how close to an ideal system as we see it can we build? And and as a result we have all these theater companies, right? There's a reason that so many of our cultural institutions got buildings in the 60s mm-hmm. and so many of the theater companies that have the larger amounts of operating funding were invented in the late 70s right there were pushes to say we are going to have the canadian playwright there were pushes that were we're going to have this and and that and and the government was paying for it and that, and I get that that is gone. So the the exciting thing to me, the thing that is not complaining, or even the heaviness, and that isn't this ideal world because I don't think it exists. One is is this back and forth work between the community and the experiment. But the other is the the is getting is the emerging companies or the smaller companies getting together and figuring out new systems. Different models. Different models. And that, you know, the Brooklyn Commune, I spent a little bit of time talking this weekend. Uh, Andy Horowitz, who runs and writes for CultureBot, mm-hmm. which is a New York blog. Uh, he he was in Toronto for the weekend. Um, he, so in, in New York, there's a thing called the Brooklyn Commune, which is a now sort of a I think regular meeting and they're just trying to sort of look at the models and argue towards transparency and clarity about how how money is moving around and how to try to get it in the hands of artists as much as possible uh-huh. and and try to think about what the next what the future looks like for for independent and non-mainstream artists. And that, you know, that stuff seems, that that appeals to me 
a bit more these days than trying to change the system that like trying to to lobby existing organizations to change seems like that's where the critical feedback stuff where i get where i'm like i don't i mean i can i can ask questions but i don't no i i'm a little bit despondent about believing that that will impact change yeah and so stepping outside and making something new seems almost more likely to be successful totally like it's better to walk through a door than bang your head against a wall yeah um i was just going to ask you a question jacob do you think that everybody who wants to be an artist should be uh have access to those resources to be an artist uh like through government support well, whatever. Like we're talking about government support. We're talking about resources, maybe through uh, whatever. Uh, what are those recommender grants or however it works here right. in Ontario? Yeah. But because there's there's a the reason I ask that question is mostly rhetorical. Um, is there's something about the way that you're talking that makes me feel like you're saying people who want to do this should be able to do this. No, no, because I, I don't, I mean, I, no, no, I don't think that. Um, I think that, I one, I think that we have an over-professionalized sense of it, sense of being an artist mm -hmm. in Canada, that, and that's a, that's a legacy of, of the past 60 years. And so by that, you mean that too many people think that if they become artists, they can just make a living doing that. Yeah. And, and, or if they become arts administrators and, or if they become, you know, that if they get an MFA in dramaturgy, woo, they're set. Uh, mm -hmm. And that, and I think that's a problem. So anyways, no, I don't think that anyone, I think the research stuff, I think absolutely like that needs to be held up to a high degree of rigor. Yeah, I think like it's just um, I'm thinking about other places where research is valued. I mean, we know it's not in our universities or even in 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 science, the science world anymore. Right. The science lab uh, libraries are being dismantled. Yeah. Under under our current government, peer research is not doing well. It's not valued. I mean, the only place where research seems to be valued is in Silicon Valley that uh, you know, that idea of research and development too, but it's because it's seen as lucrative, right? There's yeah. all, there's a, there's a final payoff. Yeah. So, you know, just looking at the clock, Jacob, and, and yeah. feeling like, you know, we want to, we had a value to keep these under an hour and, <laughs> Yeah. And I think we can probably edit out some of our our repetition, but I just um, I don't think we've solved it solved it tonight. Damn it! <laughs> I was really hoping that we would come up with we a great great idea. Either I think, but I think that what we did come away with is is this notion of fighting your battles. Like instead of trying, you know how do you complain or how do you express dissatisfaction? Like maybe you don't, 
Maybe you just yeah. put your energy into making your own thing, um, which is why people, you know, took over the continent of North America rather than, you know, like that's because yeah. they're like, you know what? I don't like it where I am. I'm going to go somewhere else and, and make my own world and take over somebody else's world. Yes. <laughs> and make some other people miserable. Yeah. <laughs> this is probably a good time to insert the thought. Yeah. So What's the thought? Well, it's... Um, the Spiderweb Show's resident thinker this month is Guillermo Verdecchia. Oh, yeah. We're going to throw one of his thoughts here at the end for anybody who's sure. made it this long. Mm -hmm. Hey? Yeah. And if Absolutely. It's a reward. We may have to cut it because we've gone over. <laughs> well, I think like some of that me ranting around can probably go. So now you're going to cut in his thought right here. The speed of light is some kind of limit. Nothing apparently can travel faster than light. But I think that, in fact, resentment and pettiness are faster than light because that was my experience the other day. I let my mind wander for about a millionth, a billionth of a nanosecond and like that, it was, I was invaded and there was nothing I could do to shake it all day. And we're back. And <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you, Grandma. Have a good night. Um, it was nice having having another person. It was nice having Nathan. Maybe Nathan could be a regular. Yeah. Guest. Stumbled home. Stumbled upon Stumbled you. home. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think we yeah. should have, I think I've got, we've got some good ideas for guests. Three is always more interesting than two. That's yeah. an artistic thing. Goodbye, internet.